1: South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. But first, of course, you know, Chris and I reacted to this a bit last night. It was breaking news uh, that Governor Ron DeSantis had trafficked uh, 50 migrants from Venezuela over to uh, Martha's Vineyard, just a few miles off the coast and port of New Bedford here. Um, You know, it's been a developing story throughout the day. uh, And I, of course, wanted to have um, Helena DeSilva-Hughes of the Immigrants Assistance Center in New Bedford on uh, to talk about this. Hey, Helena, how are you?
2: yes good uh, good evening good and how you doing
1: good so um, before we get started if you want to just talk a little bit about the work that the immigrants assistance center does in New Bedford
2: so basically the center has been around for 51 years and uh, our mission is to help immigrants overcome language cultural and economical barriers and sort and integrate them into the American way of life Uh, the goal of course is to help our our immigrant community become U.S. citizens and many of them uh, of course, they have a lot of rocky paths to get there, so there's a lot of challenges. And so, uh, but we also provide, aside from providing providing all the citizenship support services, uh, we also provide a lot of need uh, helping them meet their basic needs. Uh, we're in New Bedford High School. We're working with the unaccompanied youth. We have a NELDA program. We have ESOL classes, civics classes. And so we, we have a whole bunch of other services, and we are uh, situated in the South End of New Bedford. We are in the heart of the immigrant community in the South End. And like I said, we've been around for 51 years. Our staff are all bilingual, bicultural. We, are, we speak uh, three languages, four languages fluently. Basically our frontline workers are all immigrants, including myself.
1: So we're speaking with Helena de Silva Hughes, uh, uh, Executive Director of the Immigrants Assistance Center. So uh, Ron DeSantis uh, yesterday had flown uh, in two planes 50 Venezuelan migrants uh, under the uh, pretenses that they would have, um, ex, uh, an expedited, um, documentation, uh, work permitting and, uh, and housing. Um, and it seems as though they were misled as to where exactly yeah. they were going. So what's your, what's your overall thoughts on what governor DeSantis has done?
2: First, off, uh, first of all, I think it's absolutely illegal. I mean, uh, immigration uh, is a federal law and he's a governor of a, of, of the state of Florida. So he basically with immigration law, which is absolutely illegal he cannot do this and uh, so what's happening now is now we have he missed he he basically misrepresented what he said was not accurate uh, he's not and I guess he was just uh trying to to, to you know to get the, these uh, fifty immigrants from Venezuela out of out of uh, Florida, and he basically dumped them in mar's Vineyard I mean I would have to say one good thing, thing is that Massachusetts is such a welcoming community. And so in one way, it, you know, people are very welcoming. It's got a, a lot, already has a, a pretty large Brazilian population that lives there. But at the same time, you're looking at immigrants who are so vulnerable. They are so confused. They are from Venezuela. They've gone through so much trauma. And now they're, um, you know, being, being, you know, basically misinformed about that they were going to expedite the documents and they were going to get work. And they, basically these people were very excited about this and then ending up in um, in Martha's Vineyard uh, and coming to an area that, you know, thank God there's a lot of um, church leaders and a lot of uh, local community of officials and volunteers that have been helping these, um, these families. But it's just horrible. It is so, it's a horrible thing to do to human beings.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, so so the response from Martha's Vineyard, the st- uh, state and local officials, um, how has that been so far? I know you talked about it just a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah they have been absolutely so supportive. The churches, volunteers, they're all, they are, you know, they're, they've are they welcomed these families. They are scrambling to see what they can do. The churches, of course, faith-based communities have been, um, you know, th- they are, so welcoming there, There, I know there was a team of, of attorneys because the, um, you know, these individuals, so they have dates, right? These individuals that are here now, they're coming from Florida, they have dates already that they need to appear it would add immigration right and if they were coming so most likely they all have dates to go appear at the at immigration in Florida right so if they miss the date that could really damage their immigration uh, status so the fact that now they're in Massachusetts and now all of these dates that they'll be coming up and getting information is to go to um, it, it's to appear at immigration in Florida And now they're not there, so I know that there is a GoFundMe um, going on right now in the vineyard uh, to raise money because these individuals are going to need to fly back to Florida to appear at Immigration courts.
1: So um, we're speaking with uh, uh, Helena DeSilva Hughes, Executive Director of the Immigrants Assistance Center. So they, so he, he 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 chartered the flight from texas even though they were supposed to arrive in florida they've arrived yeah. here but now they're going to they have a court date uh... because they're seeking some sort of refugee asylum status that's right and now they that's have right. to go back to florida despite not having where they were originally supposed to go in the first place and it's you know they don't have the resources obviously to make it there that's
2: right they don't have the resources and i know um, there's a go fund me uh, there's a Go fund uh, uh, that they're raising. They're raising money so specifically because uh, they're going to have to have court dates and they have to appear in these court dates because if, then they, if they don't appear court, a court date, it's going to really jeopardize their immigration process. So this is very, very, very serious. And so to me, it's just that, you know, you have the governor who basically took it in his own hands to, uh charter planes and send them to the vineyard uh, to send these uh these immigrants from uh, Venezuela to uh to the vineyard makes absolutely it's such a you know it's such it doesn't make any sense how he actually thought that he could do this you know it's like I guess the rules don't apply to him
1: so um so where if they if you were to charter a full, like this it's an it's an awful thing to do to begin with right but yep. to send them to Martha's Vineyard in particular, you know, I've talked to someone who's working with Congressman Keating. They said Martha's Vineyard after Labor Day is everything's working on a skeleton staff, uh, more or less, exactly. like even their health care facilities and their hospitals. So yep. if Massachusetts is, I mean, probably as a matter of, uh, you know, law and all of that, a lot friendlier to migrants from Florida uh, than Florida or Texas is, given the leadership here and the leadership there, where would the best place for a migrant to land in massachusetts be
2: well right now i have to tell you the housing crisis right of course i mean you're absolutely right about what's going on in the vineyard right now it there's not going to be any jobs in the summer absolutely but now it's just like like two or three months that you yeah. could really you know you can get a job right now there's nothing right, but right. they're landing in an area that they're not going to find jobs So what they're going to need to do is then you look at Massachusetts, and let's just say in Massachusetts, yes, we're a very welcoming city, and there's other resources that we can help. But housing is the number one issue. How are we going to find places housing for um, the the, the, these these actually considered refugees from from Venezuela? Where we can't even find housing for our own community. Right. So to me, it's just there's a shortage of housing, and I don't um, I don't see. I, I'm not saying that I. I mean, I have not heard of anything. This is again just happened, right? So we don't know if any if any of these families are going to be ending up in um, in New Bedford. But I can tell you that there the housing shortage and the price increases in rent and everything else. They, that the housing shortage is all through the all through Massachusetts. Actually, I, I see that it seems like it's a national problem. So I don't I don't know how where we're going to um, where we're going to be uh, placing these um, these fifty families, I think fifty immigrants that are in the vineyard. I have no idea where they're going to go because housing is the biggest challenge that we are seeing with our regular, with our regular, with our regular families that are coming into the Immigrant Assistance Center. That is, we're, we're seeing families sleeping in cars, we're seeing people sleeping in storages, we're seeing people living with family members because they cannot afford. So can you imagine these are people who have just arrived, they've gone through so much trauma, now they're here, and where are they going? First of all, even to start their their immigration process, even if they're applying for asylum, that's a process that's going to take a while because they're going to need, and then they're going to have to get, in the process, they'll have a working permit, but that will take a while. So how yeah. are they going to be able to have any money to pay for their rent?
1: Right. So um, you mentioned New Bedford. Um, I, I i reached out to mayor mitchell's office they said they get back to me i haven't heard back from them yet i had heard from a very, you know a very good source uh that he has spoken with officials in martha's vineyard uh and uh-huh. i know i know you're you're typically the uh your organization's typically the point people uh for when migrants yeah. do come have you talked to yeah. mayor mitchell at all uh do you know if new bedford is going to uh, take any of the 50 venezuelan migrants here
2: from what i from what i um i've actually have not spoken to anyone in uh, at the mayor's office but i have to tell you that if they had received any calls within you anything we would have been the first agency that they would call because right. that you know that and i have not said anything you know i don't know if uh, maybe tomorrow we will hear something but i do have i do have connections in the vineyard i have a brother who's a chef, and I have a sister-in-law, and who lives in the Vineyard, So they are actually they've been living in Haven for over 30 years. So they've seen what's going on, and they're they that you know they're saying that it's just there's no housing at all. So there's no housing, there's no jobs. So I I think that the governor was trying to make a point, in using these vulnerable um, immigrants to prove a point in the political system, right? In this political climate that's going on. So to me, it's just using immigrants as pawns, right? They use, he's using them to prove a point and doesn't understand he's using such a vulnerable population who basically have no voice.
1: Well, I remember you were you were here. Uh, you were with Jim Phillips a couple months ago when the um, uh, when refugees from Afghanistan had come in. Just a mm-hmm. hand, just a handful uh, had uh, had. Come, I think a, a single family, maybe a couple families had come in from yeah. Afghanistan. Um, how, like, what's the process of of, of situating uh, people who are seeking refugee status?
2: Well, first of all, it's important. Like within that, with the Afghanistan families, we have there's four families now in, there's only four families in you but some of the families moved elsewhere. Uh, I would say the process when it's a refugee, so the refugees is a whole new different process. So International Institute of New England, they do refugee resettlement. What does that mean? Well, that means that they will pay for their rent. They'll pick them up at the airport. They pay for the rent for them for six months. They really, they do a lot of hand holding with, uh, with refugees. Uh, and so I am not sure if this is considered refugee status yet. I don't know if this is just applying for asylum or TPS, right? Because I know that people from Venezuela, United States, have granted like El Salvador the temporary protective status. So I'm not sure what immigration process they're going to be they're going to go through. But if it's refugees, I know that in, most likely International Institute will be the organization that will step forward to help these. Um, these families. But with the Afghanistan families, it was totally different because of the language, right? So people from Venezuela speak Spanish, right? So it's, it's right. a language that is very, very well known and everybody speaks Spanish So in our community. So I think the, the language barrier, is, is it can be addressed very easily. Unlike, unlike the families from Afghanistan, I just completely, you know, the most thing that, the only thing that it keeps coming to my mind, especially since this pandemic, it's the housing crisis that we are seeing, and I don't, under I don't see any places available uh, for families to live unless the churches, right? And this is the same thing that's happening: we always have the faith based community that'll step forward unless there's, um, you know, there are families that are hosting families, right? Because we one of the things we saw with families from Afghanistan, there was a families that stepped forward and and hosted families for. Six months. So unless families come forward and say they want to host a family, I'd say that's probably the only thing I can think, but I cannot see um, apartments. And not only that, right, the prices of apartments, as yeah. we all know, have doubled. You can't right. find an apartment for seven hundred fifty dollars or eight hundred dollars anymore. Right. You can find it for fifteen hundred, thirteen hundred. So I don't dent a lot of money. So first of all, I would say that if they don't have any documentation, which will take a while before they get a work permit, so what's going to happen? They can't find jobs. Mm-hmm. So they're going to need so much support that I, you know, it's going to be really, really, really difficult. But I will see. I mean, I, I, you know, we'll see. I think, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. But I, um, I, I think that's going to be um, a huge challenge for uh, for these families that are arriving from uh, from Venezuela here
1: in the vineyard. So obviously, the response from Martha's Vineyard from the people in Martha's Vineyard has been heartening. Uh, you know, after like you know a a pretty monstrous act from from Governor DeSantis, but is is. The stuff you're saying, like, we don't have enough housing, we don't have enough resources, are we going to be able to handle it? Does that make his point uh, about uh, immigration or the immigration, the quote-unquote crisis at the border?
2: Well, I think, you know, the crisis at the border, and I know he's trying to make a point, right? And I have to say this, you know, I I mean, I think he's trying to make a strong point. I also think he's going to run for president, right?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, that's really why he did it, yeah
2: exactly yeah. exactly and we all know right we all know that our immigration is this our immigration system is broken right yes yeah, we know that it's been broken for the past 30 years we've been discussing At both least. the Republicans yeah yeah I know I've been discussing for over 30 years <laughs> I have to say that both the Democrats and Republicans they both use use uh, immigration reform as a political football we see in both sides right. there's the Democrats to blame and then there's the Republicans to blame and at the end of the day nothing happens right. and so to me is just like again again and we see this and it's like a cycle right every time there's a presidential elections coming up or any elections coming up especially with the presidential elections immigration is like on the forefront <laughs> yeah. right it's right. always in the forefront and i guess it's a way of getting votes but that the, it's amazing how no matter what party gets in as soon as they get in immigration because as part of the it, it goes in the back burner and it's no longer such a priority like it was during election.
1: well that was actually going to be my next question Helen. is that is that um what uh how would you assess joe biden's um job in immigration policy thus far uh, i mean I'm, was he, is he? has he been better, better than Donald Trump? Has he been the same? Is he been bad? Has he been good?
2: You know, it's hard to say. I mean, there's been some policies that we have, uh, that has changed, which is great. You know, there's been some small policies. But as far as uh, an immigration reform bill or anything to do with the DACA, do- with the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival, so these are all policies that, unfortunately, you know he's saying him as president he can't seem to be getting anything done because both the democrats and the republicans are not speaking to each other yeah. so to me it's, it's it's federal and they it's congress that needs to pass an immigration reform and unfortunately and the way it is right now and the way it's been for so many years i don't have i hate to say this i don't have any hope on seeing an immigration reform bill yeah. um and it's it's sad because you're talking about the lives of people who are here, right? And yes, there are people who are either here at asylum or they can in a TPS or whatever their status is, special juvenile visa, whatever there is, but then there's also people who've been here for many, many years and are paying taxes, right? They have they got a tax ID number, they are paying taxes and, and the children are in school, they might there are neighbors. Right. And to me, it's like sometimes people don't even know who's undocumented, right? So yeah. it could be your neighbor, it could be the children that are going to school. So to me, it's like, I, I just find that is just such um, a sad situation that nothing gets done and you're playing with people's lives.
1: So we're speaking with Helena DeSilva-Hughes of the Immigrants Assistance Center in New Bedford. So um, Helena, I appreciate your, your opinion um, on this matter of, course it's still developing it's a major national story now Uh, but um wanted to move on uh just you know if you could just briefly talk about some of the some of the things that you guys have going on at the um at the immigrants assistance Center. anything to look forward to uh coming up
2: yeah i really think you know i think that the driver's license bill is huge right we know that the driver's license bill is uh you know we got what 75 percent of our legislators are in support of the driver's license i know Mm -hmm. that Um, you know, it passed by in the house and in the Senate by majority. We did not even need, I mean, we had enough votes that the governor could veto, but it didn't really matter because we had enough votes and everything was fine. And we thought, you know, that as of next, um, July of 2023, that finally people were going to be able to apply for a driver's license. Right. And then of course there was this, uh, group that got enough signatures. Now the driver's license is on the, is going to be on the ballot right and so uh with there were part of this campaign vote vote yes on four on question 4 because it's about and People, there's so much misinformation out there about the driver's license. You know, people automatically thinking, "Oh, you're going to give drivers license." Now, here's I, I hear this all the time. Now people are going to vote illegally. No, yeah. there is a process. There is such a process. There, it's only like 17. Massachusetts will be the 17th if this everything goes through. It's going to be the 17th state. So we got yeah. Vermont. We have New York. We have all other states that are neighbors. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: right. in
2: Vegas. We have people that go to yeah. Vegas to get their license, like New York, right, yeah. California. And to me is that that is so there's so much misinformation out there. there's like buzzwords, right, that yeah. are thrown out there for people to scare people about the driver's license. To me, as people are driving, it becomes a safety issue. We had the, our uh, chief of police and uh, even at the state level who basically testified in favor of... A driver's license. Yeah. So we know people are driving, so it's a safety issue. So if people, if we get into an accident with someone who doesn't have a license, what happens a lot of times is they take off. Right. So to me, it just makes sense for us to be the 17th state that will allow undocumented immigrants for driver's licenses. It, it, it's a safety issue and impacts everybody. So we have been part of this campaign. So we're very, I'm very involved uh, on making sure that 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 happens, uh, we don't know. I mean, you just don't know how how people are going to vote, right. when it goes to the polls. So we're we very much involved with that. Of course, our um, we've changed the schedule of the center. So Monday we're open from eight to five, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday we are open from eight until seven o'clock at night. And so uh, and because we decided to expand our, uh, expand our hours because people work and sometimes they don't have access to the center because we used to close at 4.30. So we've realized that we needed to stay open a little late. So we're going to be open. We're opening late already. So this way, Friday, we know that's always a day that is not that many clients uh, come in. So we've decided to expand the day, to extend the days and have Friday off. But we have classes, uh, aside from our from services that we provide every day, which is our direct services of case management. We have ESOL classes that are happening, uh, citizenship classes, citizenship civics. We're helping people um, provide uh, all the support they need in order for them to become a U.S. citizen. Of course, in order to become a U.S. citizen, you have to have a legal permanent resident status, which is a green right. card for five years, and they have to speak English. So our ESOL classes are So important civic classes, preparing people to take the test is really, really important. And every six months, we have a citizenship ceremony. We've had a, a citizenship ceremony last month where 29 people from 14 different countries became U.S. citizens. So to us, that's like, the, I mean, that is part of the integration, right? Because I really say that. The best way to integrate our immigrant into the into the into the American way of life is making sure that they are U.S. citizens and they registered voters and they vote. Right, that is really really powerful, and that's really how we we can integrate our immigrant community into the American way of life. So that's something we've extended our hours where we're seeing our classes are full. I mean, uh, it's amazing how many people have enrolled in our ESOL classes, in our civics classes. And, um, and, and, of course, we provide, uh, we're providing services to elders. We're working with churches. We're at New Bedford High School working with the unaccompanied youth. So we provide lots and lots of services. We have such a wonderful, wonderful, I call it miracle workers who do this work every day and love what they do, because they see, like I always say, when I see my clients, I see myself in those clients, right? We're all immigrants they are providing direct services. So to us, you know, when we see an elderly client, I think of my grandmother who was illiterate, right? When I see a child, I think of myself as an immigrant kid who did not know how to speak English and and went to school. And I see my parents, my dad who worked the night shift at Chamberlain, my mother who worked in textile. They worked. So hard to to, support, to make sure that there are seven kids. I'm, I'm one of seven. I have five brothers and a sister, so that we had food at the table. We had a roof under our heads. We all went to we all went to high school, right? Because my father' education was such a huge thing for us. So to me, it's like uh, we see we see us. We all of our staff that are providing our Direct services. When we look at our clients, we see ourselves in them. So to me, it's just it's not a job. It's a mission, and I think it's so good that we all understand the mission of the organization and believe strongly on what we do.
1: Helena DeSilva-Hughes of the Immigrants Assistance Center in New Bedford. That's immigrantsassistancecenter.org, and uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing your uh, opinion on this matter and for uh, telling us about the great work you do, and uh, we appreciate the work you do.
2: Thank you so much and have a good
1: evening. You as well. That was Helena DeSilva Hughes of the Immigrants Assistance Center. Uh, they do really amazing work there. Uh, and I definitely appreciated her perspective on this and I do really appreciate the work, uh, that she does for the immigrant community here in the, uh, in the South Coast. All right. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. I'm going to take a break and then we'll be back. This is South Coast tonight with Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow, but I'm here with you, uh, till 10 o'clock. If any- to South Coast tonight I'm Marcus uh, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you get in the program. Helena De Silva Hughes of the Immigrants Assistance Center, um, they do great work. Again, they've they've helped a lot of uh, a lot of individuals over the last half century, thousands upon thousands of individuals upon the last uh, on the last half half century um, navigate the pathway to citizenship, and which has gotten increasingly obviously increasingly difficult over the last. Um, yeah over the last half century really <clears throat> over the last half century um we used to be a lot more welcoming um to immigrants uh, cuz virtually nobody left was born here um i mean who has an ancestor who originated from here i should say but uh 5089 and 60500 saying at the program yeah so i mean what you know what you i i spoke with um I did speak with somebody who would know, and they said I, I reached out to the mayor for comment. He, he didn't. Uh, he didn't respond. But I spoke with someone who would know, and they said that he had spoken with the um, the Martha's uh, Martha's officials in Martha's Vineyard uh, today. Um, I know we're going to get a, uh, a statement from somebody in the city council. Hopefully, by the end of the program, on what New Bedford's response uh, should be in uh, in this matter um, you know mayor mitchell's typically been welcoming in, in situations like these uh, when you know like when the Afghan refugees came um, and so we're we're, um, we're we're still waiting on that but we're also taking your calls at 508-996-0500 good evening you're live
0: hey Marcus it's Don up in Stoughton hey um, before, I, before I get to unfunded mandates your guest Helen mentioned that the current immigration system has been broken for more than 30 years, Mm. and you tended to agree. Yeah. The United States takes in one million new citizens every year, which is more than the rest of the world combined in what they take in as citizens.
1: I think in sheer numbers. uh, I think in sheer numbers, but Mm -hmm. not, uh, I think as a percentage yes, of population no there's other countries that right. taken more you, united arab emirates, emirates is actually the most uh, generous country with immigration i think they've seen like an mm-hmm. 80% increase over the last like 10 years something like that but anyway yeah. continue
0: well but what is broken about the american immigration system i i cannot figure it out and my degree in engineering ain't helping so illuminate <laughs> me illuminate the audience you know we market. used to have
1: um, we used to have this goes back again, like a half century, more than that actually now. Um, But we used to have what was called circular migration. So um, we used to have migrant workers come up from Central America um, to do migrant work, the work that we often rely on for for uh, immigrant labor, documented or undocumented now, which is mostly agricultural work. In um, that work, they were able to earn money for their families, go back home, and do it again uh, in the on-seasons and off-seasons. Then in 1965, we started to restrict that with the Immigration Act in 1965. You know, there's a lot what I, I liked a lot about what Lyndon Johnson did uh, in the 60s with his great society programs. This wasn't one of them. Um, it restricted uh, it, it restricted people's ability to to do to have the uh, circular migration. It had more stringent uh, residency and work permitting requirements. And so uh, what happened was a lot of people were just end up staying here uh, on a work permit uh, past. The, the permits expiration um, over the last 30 years, as we've, you know, I think, been less inclined to. First of all, we haven't passed any immigration laws in 30 years. Right. Um, which is kind of crazy. You, you think about all the laws that we've passed, uh, all the different areas that we've reformed. We haven't like passed, I think, essentially a single law in in immigration in about 30 years since maybe Bill Clinton. Right. Maybe George W. Bush, because he had campaigned on immigration reform, didn't get anything, didn't get anything done. But what we have is there's like people always say, oh, you got to get in line. There's really no line. It's it's often very difficult for people when they migrate here, if they're on some sort of temporary status, um, to, to find a pathway to citizenship. I mean, there's certain eligibilities in which the waiting period is 13 to 28 years. So if there's a way to streamline it, I think we'd I think we would. Be in a much better spot than than we are now. I mean, the, the, well, the you, you always hear about these corporate. bipartisan efforts to curb immigration and we haven't really heard one since Obama I guess right they had the gang of eight that was basically well, kabosh
0: Barack Obama had a Democrat Congress and he was the president oh totally didn't do so he, he didn't no obviously then it's not a problem but you stayed well it's a problem it's a problem they years. just
1: they just don't do anything about it like it's a problem right. they just Obama should have done something right. about it it should have been one of the first so, things he acted on when query, he had a super
0: majority query Marcus hold on hold on why did they change it in 1965 then?
1: That's a, a good question.
0: Ah, there we go. Thank you. Yes. And, and LBJ, war on poverty, have we won that yet? We... Are we still? I don't go think ahead. we
1: have won the war on poverty There
0: now. you go. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's a... But I mean, no Congress, and, and I've read hundreds, if not thousands, of Supreme Court rulings. No subsequent Congress is held to the laws created by a previous Congress. So why since 1965, Whoa. if the immigration system is broken, Marcus... Why hasn't somebody changed it? And yet they're telling me it's broken, but there's nothing they can do. Well, because do. it's
1: it's either politically convenient to not do it, or it's too politically difficult to get it done. You, you know, we have the problem is you know, you, like you said, you had that Obama gang of he had a super majority. He, he should have he that was the opportunity to actually do something, and they didn't do it. And that and was a, that was anything. That was an abject failure on his on his part. An empty that,
0: suit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah,
1: that was an abject failure on his part. Um, but uh, but. We the thing is, we have we have a system of legislation that doesn't allow for the really the easy passage of laws. I mean, every any law that doesn't have to do with the budget has requires now 60 votes in the Senate because we've changed the filibuster rules. Right. So it's basically politically impossible to get any sort of comprehension comprehensive reform done. The only thing that can be done is, is through, you know, basically fiat, right? That's the only way people are governing. That's the only way presidents yeah, are that, doing legislation.
0: So, so hold on, Marcus. So the, the solution to this by President Biden is just to open the borders because the immigration system... I mean, broken? doesn't
1: hasn't Biden had record border apprehensions? I think over 2 million people no, in the last year.
0: Had, it's, it's all fluff that they're throwing out there. How many people... Are, Look, the the governors of Texas, Arizona, and Florida have so many people they cannot take and safely take care of them. They're sharing I mean, them with other states. Uh, again, you know, with, people are going
1: crazy, I think I made this point uh, yesterday. I, I, I'd be, I'd take, I'd take more seriously um, Texas's concern for caring for migrants if they even cared for their own their, their own uh, citizens that live there. But they, the the numbers show that they clearly but don't.
0: Why are people moving to Texas and Florida if they're so darn bad?
1: I mean, weather for one, yeah. and, and it's people of means that are moving there. It's not like people, it's okay. not, yeah, it's people of means that um, are moving there.
0: All right. Let me, let me jump into unfunded mandates. I spoke about it yesterday regarding the registry of motor vehicles okay. that we take these quote undocumented immigrants and we try to document them at taxpayer expense. If you look up unfunded mandates on the internet, you'll find out that the government is not allowed to do this. And this is exactly what president Biden is doing. By opening the borders and allowing illegal immigrants to come in without documentation and then forcing states and the taxpayers to take care of these people. If President Biden opens the borders, he is supposed to have the monies to take care of this, which your, your guest had stated, there's no money. Yeah. So no, true. Why, is it, why is it the taxpayers in those states have to perform an unfunded mandate because President Biden has opened the borders?
1: No, it's a good point. I mean, there should be more federal resources diverted to this problem. I, I agree. I mean, most of that, most of those resources have been the in problem? T- the federal government. There you go. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's President
0: Biden. No, you know it's, it's in entirely. In a constitutional it's enti- republic, Marcus, in a constitutional republic, the government can only do that which is allowed by the Constitution. And darn it all, Marcus, in reading the Constitution, it doesn't say open the borders.
1: Well, it doesn't say close them either. I mean, no. There's supposed to
0: be a law that allows it, which President Biden swore to uphold, and suddenly, well, there
1: there are certain laws for admission for people, even if the even if they cross through illegally. There's there's definitely laws in the books for that. I mean, if you, if if, no matter how you enter the country, yeah, if you if you enter the country,
0: yeah. And they must be documented. How can they be documented as refugees when they throw away their documents and we don't know where they came from? Do we know and that, they're giving us a cock and bull story of where they're from?
1: Do we know that they're cock and bull stories? Do we know that the documents are know. thrown we away? We Can't
0: prove it. They got no documents. Yeah. Come I on. mean,
1: again, part of that part of that is because they're fleeing conditions in their own country, which are almost entirely do they our throw fault. Why away their documents? I don't know that they threw away their documents. I don't know what so, documents they got when they were born. I don't. I'm at, not sure. Look at
0: the videos of, of documents found on the border, and there's. Thousands, tens of thousands of documents thrown away in the borders. They do this in Europe also. Why would they carry they their documents with them and then, back to their
1: country? Why would they carry their documents with them and throw them away at the border? It Doesn't make sense. Why would they because just not they bring it? Because
0: they have him? to identify themselves to the cartel. Come on,
1: Marcus. So they have to identify themselves to the cartel, yes. but, but the U.S. doesn't yes. vet them at all, the, I mean, there's there's a stringent and vetting process for away. there's a there is a oh, vetting process on. for refugees and asylees. There is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Don, I got Don,
1: Don, I'm behind on breaks. I got to take this break. Right, I'll let sir. you go. Thanks. Thanks, thanks Marcus. I'll- All right, uh call call back. Give me a call at 508-996-0500. <laughs> 1420 WB at the South Coast tonight. Chris will be back tomorrow. I'm here with you until 10 o'clock. So I see you guys on the line. I know you've been calling in. I, want, I know you want to chat. I'd love to chat. Let's chat in the eight o'clock hour. I've got a big commercial break, which I'm so proud of because we've got so many great sponsors and I want you guys to hear from them because uh, that keeps the lights on here. So listen to our sponsors. And if you want to hold till the eight o'clock hour, that's fine. Or if you want to call back, if you want to hang up and call back in the eight o'clock hour, that's fine too. This is South Coast tonight with Marcus Farrow. Chris will be back tomorrow, but I'm here till 10. Here's what's happening this week. On uh, I will let's talk in the eight o'clock hour. Um, open phone lines, just you and me. I want to talk more about this issue, and I know you do too. I saw you guys online and that you wanted to talk. So I will see you guys in the eight o'clock hour. Stay tuned for the news, and then we'll chat 508 <laughs> 996